You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. So, you know, we've kind of been leading up into Easter, and we've been kind of on this series of asking ourselves during this season, right? Lent is kind of a reflective season, the 40 days leading up to, to what is called Holy Week. And those 40 days are meant to be a reflection of ourselves saying, do we actually look like Jesus? Are we doing what Jesus asked us to do? And do we reflect him in our lives? And so we've kind of had messages going along that. And this is the last one that I'm going to speak before Palm Sunday. And then we have Good Friday service. And then, of course, Easter Sunday. So I'm going to be speaking about forgiveness because I really think this is a big hinge point for us as people, as humans, as Christians, that if we don't get this right, um, we stay trapped. You know, I I heard a speaker once say, um, unforgiveness is like locking yourself in a jail cell and giving someone else the key. You can leave, but you're giving someone else power over you. Holding unforgiveness towards others, towards people around us, is not putting that person in a jail cell, it's putting yourself in one. And I think all of us have experienced that for many reasons. Listen, if you've been alive, you've had to deal with some forgiveness and unforgiveness. Right from the littlest of kids. I mean, my gosh, my kids fight over the tiniest of things. You know, just recently, Isaac came running in, and Isaac's a dramatic young man. And he comes running in, he's bawling, crying, and literally it was over the fact that Emma had taken a Lego that was supposed to go on the top of his other stack of Legos, and she wouldn't give it back. I mean, a piece of plastic, not even an inch in square, and it was like the end of the world. If you're alive, you have to deal with forgiveness. It's something that just happens. We're, we're, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that even in the perfect rendition of the world before the fall, that there probably was still forgiveness. I think we look at that, you know, idea of like Adam and Eve or even what heaven's going to be like, and we think we're all just going to be perfect human beings. I'm just going to wreck our our world a little bit and say that might not be so true as we expect it. But I do think this, when someone might do something that could easily hurt our feelings, we're going to understand forgiveness to a degree we've never understood. And you want to know why I can say that theologically? Because God lives in heaven and he has to forgive us. And so listen, we're going to have to, uh, forgiveness is this hinge point in our lives that I think if we don't get right, there's a lot of things that happen. First, it wrecks us, but it also really wrecks what the world looks at when they see us reflecting Jesus. And so we're going to read some scriptures today that are really challenging and really tough and um, should challenge us to really get on the forgiveness horse today and say, you know what, I need to actually pursue forgiveness First in my life and for others. And so let's start. Matthew 6, 14. And we're going to open up just to where Jesus is speaking. So this is Matthew 6, 14. I'm just going to read the scripture. But uh, this is following Jesus teaching the disciples the Our Father prayer. And part of that Our Father prayer or the Lord's prayer, however you want to call it, 
It says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And then verse 14, it says this. This is Jesus going on after the prayer. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, that right there should terrify most of us. In a good way. You know, you know, sometimes when I think we look at Jesus' words or we look at Jesus and we just think he's so soft and cuddly, but he makes a point very often. And even in that, he repeats it to make sure you really understand it. He could have just said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And he could have left it at that and it would have been this nice feeling like, yeah, I should forgive people. But then he goes on to tell you the consequences of not doing what he says. And he says, but if you do not, if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. And so there's this place that, you know, we're going to talk about this week, the cross. We're going to talk about what Jesus accomplished on it. We're going to talk about the grace that he's given us, the hope that he's given us through what he did. But then there's this place where Jesus is still saying there's, a, there's kind of an if and then in Christianity. You know, the idea that Jesus paid for everyone's sins on that cross is absolutely true. But there's still a spot where we have to receive it and then actually do the things he calls us to do. And this one, I'm not sure there's actually another thing written in Scripture in Jesus' words that's more blunt than this. If you don't do this, my Father in heaven will not forgive you. That's... That's the most blunt that I've seen Jesus talk about when it comes to actually receiving his gift. You know, we see Romans 10.9, these are Paul's words. And Paul's trying to simplify it for the Christian church of the day. And he says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. But the truth is, Jesus doesn't put that down. That's Paul explaining to the church, and I absolutely believe it. But I really think this is even a bigger hinge point for us as Christians to say, oh my gosh, I better be a forgiving person. I better actually understand forgiveness for myself and then be able to issue that to others. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. So let's go to Matthew 18. And we're going to read through a few scriptures there. And I want to talk about forgiveness a little bit differently. So Matthew 18, verse 21 through 22. So listen, if you've, if you've been in uh, you know, the church for any of your life or for a while, you've probably heard Matthew 18 referenced. Matthew 18 is often referenced around Christian reconciliation, meaning that when two people get mad at each other, there's a way to handle it. You're supposed to go to that person, it says. You're supposed to, you know, kind of share your heart and plead with them. And then if they don't listen to you, you're supposed to get another brother or sister with you and go to that person again. And, and if they can't hear you, then it says you're supposed to get the church involved. And you're supposed to go to that person. And one of the things that's wrong with how Christianity has talked about Matthew 18 is, is the goal line of it. Matthew 18 is not about winning a point. It's about winning a person. 
You see, actually, what Matthew 18 and then what Jesus kind of goes on to in a couple of scriptures we're going to read is no longer about the fight. How, have you, how many of you married folks have had a fight and then you forgot what it was even about? And now you're just trying to figure out how to be friends in a, again so that you're not running, walking around the house stomping and slamming doors. Maybe you guys are more holy than me. Come on. And you've forgotten now what you were trying to win, and now you've just realized, okay, but I don't remember what I was so mad about or what was so important to me, but now I just need to make sure this relationship is okay. That's Matthew 18. Matthew 18 isn't even about the circumstances of the wronging. It's now about the winning of the person back. And Jesus is trying to explain to us, you don't need to win the argument, you just need to win the person. That's what Matthew 18 reconciliation is about. But so often we get focused on an issue and making sure that someone understands how wrong they were and how right we were. That's not Matthew 18. So we get down past some of that description from Jesus and we get to verses 21 and 22. And so Peter decides to follow up Matthew 18, this talk with reconciliation, with a question. It says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, How often should I forgive someone? So now Peter wants some exact numbers. He says, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? You know what's funny about Peter? Peter wanted to look good with Jesus all the time. If you look at his life, he's always trying to do what he thinks he knows Jesus wants him to do. Anybody else ever act like that? And so... When he says seven times, I'm convinced he thinks he's putting a high number up there. That he's like, I'm going to sound holy right now. Because most people are maybe doing it twice, but, you know, a third time, you know, strike, you're out. But I'm going to say seven times. And Jesus says, no, not seven times. But 70 times seven. And the reason he says this is not because... 490 is some special term or some special number. He's putting a number out there that makes absolutely no sense. He's putting a number out there that is literally absurd. What do you mean I'm supposed to forgive someone 490 times, Jesus? Why would I do that? Jesus, haven't you ever read the book Boundaries? Because that's just allowing people to walk all over you. But yet Jesus puts this absurd number out there. And listen, I'm not talking down about boundaries, okay? You should have them. Because forgiveness is not giving someone a, a permission to do something to you. Forgiveness is actually just releasing someone else from what they've done to you. It doesn't mean you give them permission or say it was right. But there's this place where sometimes we don't even go into forgiveness because we just end up putting people far and distant from us. And Jesus puts this absurd number out there basically to ruin Peter's world that he thinks seven is a good amount of times. And to say forgiveness should be issued pretty much endlessly. This is a challenge to all of us. Seventy times seven. Let's jump down to verse 35. Again, this is Jesus, and he's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about debt. Actually, I want to read, you know, we're going to read this parable real quick. 
So verse 23, Jesus goes on, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. So actually, you know, they just put that in as a, a description for us to understand. It was technically 375 tons of silver. Someone wants to get out Google, find out how much that's actually worth. It's probably millions. 375 tons of silver this one guy owed him. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave him his debt. Now listen to what just happened here. He asked for patience to pay it back. But what did the master do? It says he forgave it. So that word forgive, forgiveness, forgave, this is the translation the more literal translation is in English, to abandon. To abandon, to leave behind. So every time you see this word forgiveness or forgiven or forgave, it's literally the idea that they're going to now abandon a certain pursuit or a certain belief. So this king decides to abandon this person's debt. He says, you know what? I'm going to leave this debt over you. I'm going to get rid of it. And we're going to abandon that, and I'm going to actually forgive you, forgive you of it. Which means he no longer owes it. The pursuit of this debt is now gone. This is what the king does. Verse 28, but when the man left the king... He went into a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. Sound familiar? But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Ouch. Let's just skip over this chapter in the Bible. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters, and I love this tagline, from your heart. Now Jesus is kind of taking it up a notch. He's, he's saying, again, don't just look like you forgave someone. Don't just act like it, but actually in your heart forgive someone. Isn't that a little bit harder to do? Again, I always think about my kids. Any parents here force their kids to apologize to their other kids? Doesn't it always seem so meaningful? Like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, 
from your heart, Isaac. And then he gets like the opposite. I'm sorry. Like so, I'm just like, (laughs) I can't do this. (laughs) But isn't this us? (laughs) Jesus is like, you need to forgive or I won't forgive you. I'm sorry. Or I forgive you. He's he's challenging us that's from this deep place within us that we're supposed to be able to issue forgiveness. That we're actually supposed to be able to abandon the pursuit of something from someone else. We're supposed to abandon maybe what we believe about someone or how we see someone or maybe even abandon the justice of, of getting something that was wrong done to us. That's forgiveness. This should challenge us. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse. And I love this because there's this place, this word refuse, when I looked it up just because I like, was curious a little bit more, is this just all there is to it? It was actually a word associated with man's volitional will. So there's, there's will, the word will, like meaning the will of somebody, is mentioned a lot in the Bible. And this is one of them, but it, this word was always used when talking about humans' volitional will. There's a different word for the will of God. And I find this interesting because Jesus is saying if you refuse, if you use your human volitional will to go against the will of God, it's going to go bad for you. And I also like this because it puts, it puts it in our court. Jesus pays this incredible price for us to receive grace, to receive everlasting life, to have hope, peace, and love, and, and purpose, and all the things. But yet he then puts in our court a volitional will to receive it, and, and with some contingencies to do some things like act in forgiveness. Let's turn to Luke 6 now. This is one of my favorite passages. Luke 6, verse 27 through 38. And I like this. I have always loved this passage because I love the way Jesus starts it. And it And it kind of comes off this idea of us having volitional will. That there is a choice we have to make in life. We get to choose if we look like Jesus, act like Jesus, want to follow Jesus, or we want to do it our own way. It's the choice of every human from the beginning of time till the end. And I love Jesus starts this passage out in verse 27 of Luke 6. And he says this, but to you who are willing to listen... I love this because even Jesus knows some of you ain't going to listen to me. So I'm talking to the ones who are. But to you who are willing to listen. And he challenges so deeply their thinking. He says, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. 
Imagine if we could just live by those few scriptures. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you'll be truly acting as children of the Most High. Truly acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. I want to go to another scripture, John 8. Another story. Some of us know this story. This is about a woman caught in adultery. But I want to read through this and talk about what this, what this shows us about who God is. And what this shows us about how we're supposed to reflect him. So this is verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Isn't this so true? I put myself in this situation, and you know, I love some of these details that find their way into Scripture, beginning with the oldest. You want to know why? Because I think the longer we live, the more we know how messed up we are. The longer we live, even the closer we get to Jesus, the more I feel inadequate to stand next to him. That's where his grace comes in. That's where his righteousness comes in. And so it says, beginning with the oldest, they began to slip away because the oldest were like, oh, I can't throw that stone. It says they began to slip away. Then Jesus stood up again and said, said to the woman, or it says, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. I love this story. I, I, I love these stories where Jesus encounters these women. This one and the woman at the well. And he just blows apart the religious thinking of the day in both of those two stories. And I think two of those two stories are some of the greatest understanding of what Jesus and the Father actually are like. 
And we see in this one where this woman comes in the middle of in adultery. She's on the street. By the law, she can be punished to death. And Jesus silences all her accusers and then uses these words. He says, where are your accusers? Didn't any one of them condemn you? She said, no, Lord. And he says, neither do I. You see, condemnation and forgiveness live in the same world. Because what happens when we have something happen to us, something that hurts us deeply, we tend to condemn the other person. It means to pass judgment on. It means we've decided they're guilty of all accounts, and now we're going to actually issue consequences on their life. Don't we do this? It could be as simple as the silent trend. You've passed judgment on a situation, and you're like, I'm not even talking to you anymore. And we actually condemn people in their issues because of what they've done to us. Yet Jesus in this one, he's teaching us that forgiveness and condemnation, they go together, but that we have to act in a certain way. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. And he's showing us what we're supposed to act like. And he's showing us how the Father looks at us. You see, I think the biggest issue with us learning to forgive people around us is us understanding the forgiveness that's been issued us. You ever gotten into a, a fight with someone or a verbal argument and all you end up trying to do is, list, is try to get to a list of who has done the most wrongs? But you did this, but you did this, but you did this to me, but you said this, but then you did this. You know there's no winning that, right? It doesn't end anywhere. Why? Because both your lists are endless. And understanding the Father's forgiveness over our life actually releases us to be able to understand how to forgive others. If we don't understand that when God looks at our life, he doesn't see the endless list of wrongs we've done. If we think he's seeing that, it's easy for us to make our own list of wrongs for others. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13 it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Because when and God is... So somehow, to wrap our mind around the fact that when we receive that gift from the cross, we receive his grace, that there is now no longer a record of wrongs, allows us to understand forgiveness. And unlike the, the parable we read a minute ago, we don't hold someone else to the same account Jesus doesn't hold us to. That we actually issue the same forgiveness that God issues to us. But, it, but I really believe if we want forgiveness to be issued from us, to actually come from our heart, we have to understand forgiveness first. I think this is why the world struggles with Jesus and Christianity, actually. Because something in our world has taught us that we don't need forgiveness. The world out there says, just act any way you want, as long as it's good for you and your truth following your heart, then everyone else just needs to deal. That's not the way it works. 
Every one of our choices has, has consequences and ripple effects. Everything I do as a human affects the humans around me. And so there's a place, and this is why God gives us a way to live right and a principle to live by. It's not because he's just like, yeah, don't do all these bad things. He says, if we live in this way, you're going to hurt the people around you. But if you live this way, the way that I'll show you how to live, then the people around you will flourish. And so there's this place that if we... We have to be able to understand, especially in Christianity, if you want to follow Jesus, that you need forgiveness. You have to be able to look even in the mirror at yourself and say, yeah, man, I have messed up so many times in so many ways, but not to live under a condemnation, a past judgment on that, but to actually say, but Jesus loves me anyway. And when we begin to understand that neither does he condemn us, then when we come into our own life and in our individual situations and circumstances, we can look at another and say, I can forgive you. I can forgive you. I'm not going to pass judgment on you. I'm not going to condemn you. This is what Jesus calls us to do. This is the reflection to the world. Imagine if we acted this way in the world around us. Imagine if we forgave those who, were, who literally looked like our enemies. Imagine if we issued love to those who literally damaged and hurt us. Again, I want to say, it doesn't mean you become a walking mat for the world. It doesn't mean you give permission to someone to abuse and hurt you over and over again. No, but there's a place where you can release them and not pass judgment on them and still remain a safe distance away. But when we begin to understand this forgiveness from Jesus, then we can begin to understand how to issue it to others around us. I want to end today in Luke 23. You know, this week coming up, we have Palm Sunday, we have Good Friday, and then we have Easter Sunday, and there's so much. And I just look forward to this because this is the culmination of of what Jesus has done for us. It's who he is. And we're going to talk a lot about that, but I want, to, I want to kind of lead into these next three services we're going to have leading up to Easter service with this scripture and, and end on this note because I really believe if we want to see God do something in our lives that's transformational for us and the world around us, we have to first grasp this. This is Luke 23, verse 34. At this moment, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been whipped. He's been beaten. He's been just brutally hurt. Carried the cross. He's now hanging on it. He's been stabbed. He's been nails through his hands and his feet. And he's standing there and they're mocking him. They hang a sign over him. King of the Jews. And it was meant as a mockery. And they're they're casting lots to sell his clothes. And they're mocking him. You know, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you call down from heaven? Why don't you do this? And this is Jesus' statement in the middle of all of that. In verse 34, he says this. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. 
really boggles my mind. Now it's like I can understand Jesus before the cross, knowing what he was going to accomplish for the world. This idea that as a, as a man and as God, he's like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the world. I'm going to make this gap between my father and humans. I'm going to close it. And it's, in a, in a sense, in a clear mind, he could understand what he was going to accomplish. But in the midst of that kind of pain, like this, I don't think we can even wrap our mind around it. We don't even know how to stop yelling at each other when we're just upset. Have any of you tried to reason with anybody in the middle of an argument? It doesn't work well. Because you're feeling pain, and when you feel pain, you don't usually act in a reasonable way. But yet somehow in the midst of the worst, most unbelievable pain that the world is inflicting on them, Jesus asks for forgiveness for them. This is mind-blowing to me. Honestly, the cross and the resurrection would have worked even if he didn't say these words. That would have been the moment where I was gritting my teeth as a kid, going, oh yeah, forgive them. But yet Jesus isn't doing that. Or he could have just gritted his way through to death, and then knowing that God was going to resurrect him, and then at the end be like, oh, I forgive you all, when he felt better. But in the midst of the worst moments of his life as a man here on earth, he actually asks for forgiveness for those people doing it to him. When I read this, I, I think, wow, this is a tall order, Jesus. Then maybe in the midst of my worst pain, in the midst of the worst injustices being done to me, that I should actually be praying for forgiveness for those people? How? How could I do that? But I think the only way we can learn to even come close to trying to reflect Jesus when, it, when we talk about this subject of forgiveness is to understand that in the midst of his worst pain, in the midst of his worst moments, he was praying for you and me. I don't think he was just praying for the soldiers who had done the work. He's thinking about all humanity that's going to come after him and he's literally saying, Jesus, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And honestly, I think that's probably our greatest excuse. We are just ignorant. We don't know what we're doing half the time. We, we want to act like we've got our act together and we want to put on this show and put on this face, but really, we don't know what we're doing. We're just trying to make it through. And even in the midst of all the mistakes and stumbling and falling, Jesus is praying for our forgiveness. And it's as simple as saying, I want that, Jesus. Can we stand this morning? I think there's some people in here. There's some challenges to us in here. All of us, man, I'm challenged. You think I'm preaching to you? I just come up here to preach to myself. And I want to ask you this question. Have you received Jesus' forgiveness in your life? And I, want to, I, want to, I don't want to placate that. I don't want to be like, hey, have you just said that prayer that we've asked a few times? But from your heart, have you received his forgiveness literally to your deepest places, the places you don't even want anybody to know exist within you? Have you received God's forgiveness over that?
Because if not, he wants to issue it now in this morning. And that can be someone in this room online watching for the very first time. You don't even know if you've even asked for God's forgiveness. It's simple as starting now. And it can be us that have been following Jesus for a long time, but we know we've held him out of some deep places. And we need to ask for Jesus' forgiveness. We need to let his forgiveness wash over us. And then I want to challenge us in this place. Let Jesus deal with washing his forgiveness over you. But then I want you to ask yourself this question this week. Who do you want me to issue forgiveness to, God? Who do you want me to now, from the overspill of what you've done in me, spill onto somebody else? Maybe it's as simple as writing a card, sending a text. I think God wants us to reflect who he is in this world. And we're going to take it, we're going to do a moment for an altar call here. And Sherry's going to come up in just a minute and kind of finish it for me. I, I'm, I'm headed to Augensburg, but I want to pray right now. And at the end of my prayer, she's going to come up and we're going to have people come to the front. Because, you know, coming to the front is not, this is not some holy space, but there is a place that I believe symbolically when we kind of leave where we're at and go to somewhere new. It's this act that says, I don't want to stay where I've been living, Jesus. I want to go to where you're calling me. That's why we ask people to come forward. And I believe that God is going to touch some people in the deepest places today. There's going to bring healing and wholeness in some people's hearts today. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do that, and some of the prayer teams will come up after you come up to the front. So, Father, we thank you that you've forgiven us. God, we thank you that, that we recognize what you paid for us, God, what you did for us. But, God, we don't want to take it for granted, and we don't want to think it's just for us. So, God, I ask right now in this moment that your forgiveness would wash over us, that we would understand your love, that we would understand your compassion, God, that we would understand your mercy. And, God, I pray that we wouldn't be a people that even holds you at arm's distance, that's, that just kind of receives enough grace to, to get to heaven attitude. But, God, that we let your grace in, we let your Holy Spirit into the deepest places of our lives to transform us. Not just so that we can be different, but God, so that we can show the world what you're like. So that we can do in return for others what you've done for us. So God, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Listen, if that's you, I want you to come up. If you want prayer this morning, come up right now. Prayer team's going to be ready to pray for you. Come all the way to the front. I, listen, if, if you're scared of that, get over it. I'm serious, come up front. If you want a change in your life, come up front and let someone pray for you. Some of you are like, wow, what a jerk. I want to challenge you this morning. Don't stay where you're at. Let Jesus do something that you think is impossible this morning. Okay? Yeah, I just encourage you... If you have never received his forgiveness, if this is the first day you're like, okay, I, I want to know this Jesus and the forgiveness that he has, come up because your life will be changed forever. Forever. 
I remember the day I first heard about it and I thought, holy moly, if he can forgive me, and I was all in. If that's you, to come up. If, if God is pressing in your heart right now, that there's someone, if, if you thought about someone, come up. Just come up and don't wait for the feeling. Just make a choice. I'm going to forgive today. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to receive his forgiveness. I'm going to give his forgiveness. So I just encourage you, don't, don't leave. He has something for you in this moment. I think every one of us has something to receive in this moment. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.